0: Good morning, there we go. Thank you very much to Joy and Cass and Greg and Di and Mike and Dave and the band for the worship. I just love Christmas time just being a time of of worship and I don't know how many of you got to go to the carols at Kirstenbosch but it was nice to do that again. Uh, Let me add my voice to the choir and say to you all a very, very Merry Christmas. It's great to have the kids with us this morning. Um, So, yeah. Hey, kids, are are you enjoying Christmas so far? Who got the best present ever this morning? Both? Okay, nice. Well done, Father Christmas. Christmas, for many of us, is the most wonderful time of the year. It's school holidays. It's time off work. It's beach days. And for me, it's camping. I just got back from a a few days in Haven with friends and I feel so much more relaxed, so much better. Christmas just seems to bring a whole lot of happiness and and good cheer. The uh, Christmas playlist hits our Alexa uh, late November so that by Boxing Day we're over it and can give it a break for another year. But you can certainly feel the Christmas spirit in our house, uh, the excitement and the joy. And even though both my kids are now teenagers, I never grew up. I've already done two Father Christmas puzzles. <laughs> I also know for some of us, though, Christmas is a tough time, and many experience what's known as the Christmas blues. For some, it's a time of real loneliness. Perhaps you're not with the family or the friends that you would have liked to have been with if you could. Uh, maybe it's been a rough year for some of you. Maybe it's been a rough three years for some of you. Um, well, I'm trusting that to this morning as we center ourselves around Christ today, around celebrating the birth of Jesus, the real, the real reason for this Christmas season, that you'll know and feel something of His incredible love for you. You'll feel His nearness to you as He is a source of light at this time. Today we're going to look at Christ, the light of the world, Christ, the light of the world. Speaking of light, I live on Edison Drive. And I don't know if you've ever been stuck in the Christmas traffic on Edison Drive. <laughs> but Plumstead Electrical have made a real investment in that street, and for years and years, houses up and up and down Edison Drive have done incredible Christmas light displays. It's an aptly named road, right? I don't know what came first. The Christmas lights or the name Edison. Um, But we used to live in Fishwick, and uh, every Christmas when the kids were really tiny, we'd take them and drive them down Edison Drive to see all the houses all so beautifully lit up. And now we live on Edison Drive. And Tracy and I have always wanted to join the Bright House Brigade, but um, our six-foot walls around our earth just don't lend themselves to a nice display. Finally this year, we were given, by somebody who was leaving the country, this outdoor Christmas tree. Um, and so now we've set up this rather dodgy-looking raised metal construction with disco lights that fights the and looks like something out of a bad Tim Burton movie. But finally we're adding to the Christmas cheer on Edison Drive, and just maybe, Just maybe somebody might take a selfie outside our house—the ultimate status symbol of Edison Drive. But to trump that, how many of you went to the city to see the city lights this year? Were they spectacular? Not many. Only one. Were they good? (laughs) Right. Fantastic. There was (laughs) no (laughs) chatting. I just love decorating the Christmas tree. I mean, you put all these little uh, stars on, on these Christmas balls, and these Christmas toys, but the moment you plug in the lights, you stand back and you go like, oh, then it just comes to life. Light has been and always will be synonymous with Christmas. You see, light was present at the first Christmas, and I'm not talking about just that great star in the sky. I'm talking about light in the person of Jesus Christ. In him, the light of heaven broke through the darkness and into the darkness of this world. You see, this morning we're gonna read through one of the least read Christmas passages. It's from John's Gospel. John's Gospel has a very different take a very different beginning to the other Gospels. Matthew and Luke tell the story of of Jesus' birth, the Immaculate Conception, the star in the sky, the wise men, the shepherds, the angels. These are all the narratives we love to read at this time of year because they're just rich with story and they're just so beautiful. But John's Gospel is quite unlike them. John doesn't tell the circumstance of what happened as much as who Jesus really is and what he came to do. If the other gospels tell us the story of what happened, John's gospel tells us why it happened. And I'm going to read from 1 John. I've got a different version that I'm going to read to you today, but it's purposeful because there's one particular part of the translation that I find He's nice to read both translations of. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word, being Jesus, was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And here's where we're picking up on today. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Your version says, the darkness has not overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to Every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Can you see where the true light comes from? John says Jesus is the source. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming Into the world. The true light that gives light to everyone came into the world that first Christmas. Now, what is the significance of light? Well, in Bible times, light came from the sun, from the moon, from a few oil lamps. They weren't so lucky to have a couple hours of ESCOM every day. They had no light switches, no street lamps, no headlamps, no torches. All the things that we take for granted today, light wasn't just about convenience. Light was safety and security. In some ways, it's the same today. The darkness itself isn't bad. It's what hides there. It's the reason we have security lights. It's the reason that we have night lights in our children's bedrooms. How many of you kids love the dark? <laughs> Teenagers love the dark. <laughs> Tracy and I once went camping in Kruger uh, quite a few years back and we were deep in the wild in an unfenced campsite uh, where we stayed in these little two-man canvas tents with these stretchers and the stretchers rubbed right up against the edge of the tents. And our guides that were with us said to us, don't let your elbows stick off the bed and lean out the stretcher because the leopards like to come past and nibble anything that sticks out the tent. And certainly no going to the loo in the night. Why? Because same as in the days of of Jesus, the wild animals were around at night. And you see these big cats, they can see you and you can't see them. Robbers and baddies through the centuries have loved the dark. One of the great comforts of the dawn was that the light would illuminate the darkness, revealing the unknown. Light is safety and clarity revealing the truth of what is out there. Five-year-old Andy was in the kitchen with his mother who was making supper, and she asked him to go into the pantry and get her a can of tomato soup. But he didn't want to go in alone because the pantry was very, very dark. It's dark, and I'm scared, Andy said. And she asked again, and he persisted. Finally, his mom exhausted, said, it's okay, Andy, Jesus will be with you in there. Andy walked hesitantly to the pantry door, slowly opened it, he peeked inside, he saw it was really, really dark, and he started to leave when just suddenly he got this thought. And he opened the door, and he said, Jesus, if you're in there, will you pass me that can of tomato soup? (laughs) Light brings safety. Safety. John says in our passage that Jesus is the light of the world. What does he mean? Jesus is the light of the world. What does that mean? Light illuminates darkness. And in doing so, it vanquishes darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, verse 5. The light shines, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, what John is saying here is that we all have a darkness that needs light. John is saying that our world can be a very dark place. You see, light in a light place is redundant. The purpose of light is to shine in the darkness. That's what Jesus came to do. John is saying there's a darkness in this world and Jesus has come to shine light into it. Isaiah 9, he prophesied some 750 years before the birth of Jesus. And this is what he says, verse 9, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Matthew, he quotes this prophecy when he talks about the ministry of Jesus. You see, for many Christmas has become this sentimental story about animals and and shepherds and and, and a baby and singing angels. There are carols and there are shiny, shiny trees. But if you look at what John is saying, there's a very serious reason for this season. It's actually the most honest assessment of the true extent of darkness in this world. He's saying there's a darkness both in this world and in our lives... We are walking in a darkness that we are unable to overcome on our own. And the solution to the gloom was the Son of God breaking into the human story to bring light. A light we could not generate on our own. It's the darkness of sin and death. Death and sin and brokenness have been part of the human story for all of history. No civilization has been able to defeat them. John is saying that Christ's light has come into the world, the kind of light that overcomes the darkness we are powerless to defeat on our own. The thing about darkness is that it doesn't just go away on its own. Darkness doesn't slowly disappear with time. Things don't Automatically get lighter because the darkness is receding. The solution to darkness is only the arrival of light. The shining of light. Darkness will stay dark until the light shines. Darkness will stay dark until the light drives it out. You cannot get rid of darkness. You cannot cure darkness without light. The message of the Bible is that our problem is deeper and darker than we suppose it to be. The darkness of sin and death won't just disappear. Then creation won't just heal without an outside intervention. John 8, verse 12 says When Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light. Of life. The message of Christmas is Jesus has intervened. Christmas is the story of God's great intervention into history. Jesus came to do what we could not do on our own. He came to break the power of sin and death. These two enemies that we are powerless to defeat ourselves. Many today have different theories about the solution to the problems of the world. There are those who believe that the great darkness of the world is actually just ignorance. If we could educate people, if we could know more about science, this, is, this was the great hope of the Enlightenment, right? We don't need God anymore because we have science and, and we have education. But if we're honest, history confirms that there have been more devastating wars. We've done more damage to this planet with education and science that than we did before. These things are not bad in and of themselves. Education and science, these things are great, but alone, without God's perspective, they seem to multiply the darkness that lives in the heart of human beings. Some think the solution is just greater awareness. If as human beings we became more spiritually aware, then we would be enlightened. Others believe it's it's really all about resources. If we just had more money and, and shared it more widely, then everything would be okay. But John is saying our problem is bigger than all these things. It's outside of our power to fix ourselves. In a sense, all these views fail to diagnose the extent to which there is darkness in the world and in our lives. No spiritual encounter has saved the world. No new information has saved the world. No new human understanding has been found to solve our problem and fix our brokenness. John is saying that we need an outside intervention. And, what, and that is what John is saying happened in Jesus' Quite literally, in a stable cave lit only by oil lamps, deep in a poor village in the Middle East, a baby was born. It all happened in what was this little, in the real backwaters of the world. Rome was all powerful. Bethlehem was this inconsequential little town. And if we're honest, the story should have ended there. I mean, a tiny baby in a dark cave to a peasant family in a tiny conquered nation. It's a miracle we're even talking about this today. But here we are. Isaiah's prophecy came true in ways not even Jesus' parents could have known. A light has shone. Jesus remains the most influential person ever to have lived. He transformed the way we think about God. He transformed the way we think about ourselves. He transformed the way we think about others. He transformed the way we even think about our enemies. That night, in a cave stable, something supernatural happened. Something out of this world came into this world. Light came in. Jesus was God himself being born into the brokenness of humanity. John says in verse 4, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus brought with him life and the light of mankind. Jesus steps into the darkness of this world to defeat the great enemy of death. Jesus came to bring life greater than any we could possibly self-generate. Life from heaven came down to destroy the darkness of death. As we heard last week, God took on flesh, became a human being, and brought eternal life to us to invite us into the eternal life with God and to shine a light into the darkness of this world. Verse 5, he says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Light has a disproportional power to cut through darkness. Even a little light overcomes a great darkness. Have you you ever been caught in an elevator or in a a back room or basement type thing when when load load shedding kicks in? What's the first thing you do? You take out your little cell phone and you tap the little light on it and suddenly a massive amount of the fear is gone. That tiny little LED light just beats back that great darkness and you can see where are you going? It reveals the room. As great as that darkness was, it was nothing against the power of that little light. The light has shone in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. So what must we do this Christmas? Make Christ your light. Let me start by asking you, what is your light? In other words, when the world around you is dark, when it's depressing, when it's scary, when it's lonely, when you don't understand, as we all have times in our lives like this, where do you go to find light? What do you do to find hope and relief in the midst of darkness? What is the thing that obliterates darkness in your life? It's tempting to try and generate our own light, and often we treat Christmas like this. It's an attempt to to create enough goodwill to overshadow the darkness. We try to be as joyous as we can in the hope that it will overwhelm the discontent we actually feel, the sadness that we actually feel. But that fades, right? It doesn't last. That's not the message of John here. We can't generate Our own light. And we need a light that never fades. You see, the God of this age and the gods of this world, they don't want us to have this light. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 to 6 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And men actually prefer the darkness. John 3.19, this is the verdict, light is coming to the world, but people loved the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Our modern world, it's, it's so tempting to try and look within ourselves to find the light. David Brooks, he says that our society has been shifting from a culture of humility to what might be called the culture of the big me the I am the greatest culture, I'm the GOAT, right? You only need to watch footballers now. Uh, When they score a goal, 20 years ago, they would score a goal and they'd run back to their team and they'd all celebrate together. But nowadays, you watch a football and he scores a goal and each has their own particular move or dab or or way to celebrate and just to show everyone how great he is, how godlike he is. I'm the greatest, I'm the GOAT. In the best selling book that I've never read, and the only movie I've ever fallen asleep in, Eat, Pray, and Love, Elizabeth Gilbert writes that God is manifested through my own voice from within myself. God dwells within you as you yourself, exactly the way you are. Well, although this is incredibly popular and obviously an incredibly attractive philosophy today, it's the exact opposite of the message of Christmas. We cannot solve the darkness in our world. The message of Christmas is in Christ. God invites us from the darkness into his light. We who are broken, we who struggle to do the right thing. He steps into our darkness, the darkness of this world, and he lives, he brings life, and his light shines in. We've been called out of darkness Into his wonderful light. Let me illustrate what I mean the same way Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Jesus always used a practical example to uh, teach a spiritual reality. Through his parables, through all his teachings, he would take a practical example to teach a spiritual reality. So there's this guy, right? And he's lived in darkness his whole life. He, since he was born, he never saw the candlelight flicker on his mother's face. He never saw the sunrise. He never saw his way. He was born blind. And this is the story that sums it all up. So I want you to lean in now. We're almost done. This guy's been blind from birth. And the disciples, they come to Jesus. And they say to Jesus, why is this guy blind? Is it because he sinned or is it because his parents sinned? This is what Jesus says. In verse three, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming, folks, when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Then Jesus hocks a loogie, right? And he rubs it in the guy's eyes and he goes and he tells the guy to wash his eyes out. His neighbors, he comes back and nobody recognizes him. His family don't even recognize him because there's such a transformation. He comes back and he can see. His neighbors are like, what? They couldn't believe it. They've known him to be blind his whole life, stumbling around, needing assistance, needing help. The guy just tells everybody it's all Jesus. Jesus. He's telling everybody about Jesus, what Jesus did and how he opened his eyes. So this testimony and this miracle, they're spreading. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of the day, they're getting upset eh, because of, of what, what Jesus is doing and how he's putting them and their teaching to shame here. And so they start to, to try and intervene, and, and they, they, they decide they're going to interview him and, and, and find a hole in the story. They're going to interview his parents. They're going to interview the neighbors, and it's an incredible story. Go read it in John 8. And, and they, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're trying to find a hole. They eventually go back to the guy who was blind, and they want him to throw Jesus under the bus, right? So they say to him in verse 24, a second time, they summoned the man who had been, been blind, and they said, Give glory to God by telling the truth. All right. They said, we know this man is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Do you get it? He's saying, once I lived in darkness, and then Jesus turned the light on. I get it. Because I know what it's like to be blind in my sin. I get it because I know what it's like to go through times of darkness. I get it because I know what it's like to have Jesus turn the light on in my life. This Christmas, let Jesus be your light. And then finally, as the band come up, be a, a, a light reflector to others. Be a, What am I saying? Be a light reflector. What I'm saying is be Edison Drive in your neighborhood. Be Edison drive in your school, be Edison drive in your workplace, be a reflector of light to others. That's part of the joy of Christmas. Joy, leading all the songs about joy, she's got, yeah, it was just fantastic. That's the joy of Christmas. Let's, let's spread that light. Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16 says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. They put it on top of their house. They they put it out there, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We who've received Christ's light now become reflectors to our community We're sent into. We bring His light into our world. Given that we have ceased trying to be our own light, and the light of Christ is shining in us, we are to be the disco balls of Cape Town, right? You know what a disco ball does? It takes a single light source, and it shines it all around. So we're to be the disco balls of Cape Town. (sighs) Who in your life needs light right now? What would the light of Christ look like to them this Christmas? Let's pray. Our Father God, we're just so grateful that you stepped down from heaven. You took on the the life, human life. You became flesh. You became this little baby born in a stable cave in an inconsequential town, and you changed the world. You certainly changed my world. I thank you, Father God, that you came, you stepped into this darkness to shine a light so that we might see what we're to do, we might see where we're to go. Lead us, Lord God, you're our shepherd, the shepherd that holds the light. Thank you, Father God, that this Christmas we get to worship you with such joy. Let our joy be contagious, Lord Jesus. We love you, Father. Amen.